Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Good morning, Vietnam! Welcome to the jungle, baby. Welcome to the jungle. Welcome to Two Dudes Movie Reviews. Mara, the meatloaf! You see what happens, Larry? How to get burned! How to get burned! How to get burned! They've done studies, you know. 60% of the time, it works every time. I am loving this. You are tearing me apart, Lisa! Come with me if you want to live. Gentlemen, you have my curiosity, but now you have my attention. Now, here's your hosts, Sky and Colin. Here's Johnny! Hey, moviegoers! You're listening to Two Dudes Movie Reviews with Sky and Colin. And boy, howdy, here we are, finally. We're going to be diving into the dark ocean that is Netflix. Yeah. I really did not want to do Netflix movies. I know. But then Roma came out, and that changed everything. (laughs) Game changer. Even though we're not talking about Roma. No, we're not. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we Roma changed everything. So here we are talking about a different Netflix movie. movie. Yep. Yeah. Um yeah, I was actually really surprised that you wanted to do this movie cuz you were pr- you were pretty uh stern about not wanting to do Netflix movies. Yeah, I didn't want to. I didn't have any Netflix movies even in my list for the year even though I had watched a few. And then Roma got nominated for best picture and basically everything else. So I was like, "All right, let's let's include it cuz we're going to have to watch Roma." Yeah. And uh but this movie's got some hype behind it. Yeah, man. So I, I thought it'd be a good one if we're gonna do them. We'll get an episode out there. Also, it just means that we're in we're in January right now. There's nothing in theaters. Yeah, we've pretty much seen anything that you need to see, and most of the movies that are in theaters right now actually came out in December. Yeah, they're just still playing because <laughs> there's not really a lot going on now. There's but- been a few good Januarys with movies over the last couple of years. This is not one of them. No. There's really nothing good out right now. I mean, we got a really cool spring to look forward to. We've definitely talked about on the podcast before, like, what's going to be coming out, so we're not going to go all into that. But, yeah, like, we're just kind of in a dead zone for movies right now. So, makes sense. I mean, Netflix is always releasing new content, new original content, and for the most part, it's usually pretty good. So, you know, couldn't hurt to take the time and talk about it. Yeah, I mean, I was actually really looking forward to this movie. I saw the trailer. Yeah, you and, showed me the trailer, um, I think. Yeah, I thought it looked really good. Also, I love the movie that people are kind of comparing it to just based on who's in it and who directed it. Oh, okay. So this is a... Now, is this the immediate follow-up? Or do you do anything in between here and there? He did uh, a movie last year called Roman J. Israel Esquire with Denzel Washington. Oh, okay. Oh, well, I guess two years now because that was 2017. Yeah, I keep thinking yeah. it's 2018, but uh, that was kind of forgettable. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, anyways, we'll just call it the follow-up because it kind of has like a similar tone, seemingly. Yeah. For Nightcrawler, Jake Gyllenhaal and Rene Russo. Rene Russo, yeah, she's she's even coming back and they're they're working together again. Same director writer, in, for the movie Velvet Buzzsaw. It was funny because I was actually looking up what Dan Gilroy had written and directed because some of them are different, and he wrote Kong Skull Island. Oh. One of my faves. Yeah, we've talked about that. I know you love that movie. I do not. <laughs> it's a great movie. I think Brie Larson's in that. No comment. 
But... <laughs> I was waiting for it. <laughs> yeah. Well, all right. So he has a good history then, is what you're telling me. Kong Skull Island, this, enough said. <laughs> he, wrote, he wrote and directed Nightcrawler. Yeah. Nightcrawler was awesome. Yes. Very Nightcrawler cool. was really good. So that's, that's basically like the selling point for me. I was like, based on who's in it and who made it, Dan Gilroy, Jake Gyllenhaal, Rene Russo, I got very excited really quickly about this movie. Yeah. And the trailer looked really cool, really intriguing. There's a huge cast. You got Tony Collette. Yeah. This is an ensemble. Yeah, really. For sure. John Malkovich. A lot of cool people, but we don't want to jump too fast into uh, into the buzzsaw of Velvet. <laughs> we want to take our time. Maybe even take a break from just the regular day-to-day bullshit and just, I don't know, get up, stretch our legs, maybe go for a nice little walk through the trailer park. <laughs> All right, so for today, we're talking High Life. High Life. Now, this was surprising. I actually told you about this trailer. Yeah, I... Usually, it's the other way around. I did not know anything about this movie, and this is towards the top of my list of movies that I'm looking forward to this year. Yeah, it looks fucking weird, and I guess you'll hear why, but it definitely... Definitely worth watching this trailer because there's some pretty like interesting imagery that they just go right out the gate with. I feel like just from watching the trailer, you can tell right away that it's going to be masterfully shot and yeah. just beautifully. Yeah. Or it's, look beautiful. It looks like a head fuck. Yeah. It, like a real head fuck. Also, just right away, it's an A24 movie. Yeah, and they've just been putting out like gold. Yeah. A24 basically another. like for the last like three years has only made like gems like just going yeah. back the last few years you've had mid 90s uh eighth grade hereditary first reformed those are all movies just from last year the disaster artist ladybird the florida project good time which also had robert pattinson in it yep a ghost story moonlight yeah man there's just everything they put out for and the a last... lot of oscar nominations and uh, just between all of those movies that they're putting out like this studio is fucking killing it yeah i feel like they when they, because I'm, I'm assuming they buy a lot of these movies. Yeah. Some of these are probably made, and then they they purchase the rights to them. But they know like what to look for when it comes to movies. Yeah, for sure. Definitely, definitely got an eye for both like talent and just creativity. And all of those movies that you're talking about, those are all like original stories too. Yeah, there's no you know reboots or prequels no, or no. sequels, nothing in it, there. It's all like artistic vision, direct directorial visions a couple of directorial debuts like yeah they're they're kind of like pushing the envelope a little bit on kind of like bringing film back to yeah movies when you said when you said directorial debuts i didn't even think about that but greta gerwig james franco i think it was was a disaster artist james franco's debut directing possibly i don't know i think at least i think i'm sure well yeah probably his biggest one because i'm sure he's done like other like weird more like art house stuff but I think uh, Ari Aster for Hereditary was a debut, and Bo Burnham for Eighth Grade, though, and Jonah Hill. And Jonah Hill, yeah. yeah. So they're rolling the dice on people, and fuck, it's paying off. They seem to know what they're doing right now, so I'm excited. Yeah, anytime the trailer, you know, a trailer's coming on at the movies, and that logo shows up, I'm like, okay, I don't even need to watch the trailer, I'm there. Yeah, like, I'll check it out. (laughs) But Uh, on on that, um, do you want to take a look? 
Yeah, this let's bad get bitch. into the highest of life. Uh oh. She's mine. Now, if you had told me like ten years ago that Robert Pattinson was gonna be in a movie, I would have. I wouldn't have been there. But lately, he's just been picking really good shit to be in. Yeah. Did you see Good Time? No, I didn't. But even from like the little bit of this trailer, like, it's believable. We were scum, trash, refuse that didn't fit into the system. Joy three thousand. Someone had the bright idea. Of recycling us to serve science. The odds are not in our favor. But when I don't know any of her movies. Is like she's a French director. I know I look like a witch. You're Foxy and you know it. This mission can't turn our shame into some type of glory. I can't do this flying around. So weird. You lied to us. <laughs> this baby. You knew it. <laughs> is it giving you anxiety? It really is. It's like why is it there? Yeah. Is it like some Even though we're moving forward. Shit like Getting that, like those scenes, like the cinematography looks crazy in this movie. Yeah. There is nothing to fear. Everything's gonna be fine. I wonder if that part I didn't because you won't understand what the fuck you just watched on the first viewing. <laughs> the laws of nature you pay for it fuck it it, it looks like there's going to be i get so scared when i see like small children in a movie like this because you know like they're going to get beheaded in a car or something <laughs> it's bound to happen it's happened once before oh man yeah it looks so weird and they tell you basically nothing but the imagery that they show in it one looks like visibly stunning this is a, a good trailer be for that reason that I don't know what the fuck I just watched yeah <laughs> like they didn't tell you anything about but the movie but it's like unsettling yet beautiful so it's like yeah I'm very intrigued the Small synopsis for the movie says uh, basically just a fi or a father and a daughter try to survive in space. Yeah. But like it looks way more than that. So they're, they're really telling you nothing. That it's going to be a lot of twisty turnies and it's, I mean, it's definitely going to be dark. It doesn't look like a movie that you'll leave the theater smiling. You're going to probably feel like you got hit by a fucking bus <laughs> like, of emotion. The, uh, the thing that showed up on screen said like, you're gonna want to seek out a second, third, and fourth viewing right away, and I like said like because you're not gonna know what the fuck just happened, and I feel like it's Probably. gonna be like a mind fuck type movie. Yeah, like, that's kind of how Hereditary was. As soon as I was done watching it, I think I texted you. I'm like, I feel like I need to watch it again. I was uh getting like very different movies, but just the same thing. Where I feel like this movie is gonna spur up conversation and theories and stuff like that, similar to Annihilation, which we just talked about. Yep. So, and I mean that's like the best type of sci-fi. Yeah, where so. it's it's not just like aliens and blowing up the White House and stuff like that, but it's like <laughs> actual like thought provoking and like intellectual cinema mm -hmm. and like ch really challenging ideas. And yeah, like this looks fucking right up my alley. Yeah, this 
like right away I was like my my ticket's basically bought as soon as I can go see this thing. I don't even know if they have like an official release date yet. It just says coming soon at the end. Yeah, I don't know if there's a date. I mean, they have it set for 2019. I think it's April though. I was looking at movies. That'd be great. Yeah, I was looking at uh like a rough list of like all the movies that are coming out this year, and they had it listed as April 12th. Okay. So if it's April 12th, that's fucking awesome. Yeah, let's we're only a few months in away. there. Yeah, let's get it in there. Um, I want to see it. Do you think when Andre 3000 was sent the script, he like read it and they were like, so what do you think? Do you want to do it? And he was like, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> black Eyed Peas, right? Yes, Black Eyed Peas. <laughs> um, Mia Goth, she's a... Uh, the younger woman in this movie. Yeah. She's been in some some creepy shit re- recently. Do you see the remake of Suspiria? No. Uh, she's in that. I've heard mixed things about that, though. Yeah, honestly, like, the movie itself, like, I don't think we really needed a Suspiria remake. But yeah. she's, she's like, good in it. I mean, that movie is creepy. There's a few scenes that are ridiculous. And then she was also in A Cure for Wellness, which came out in 2017. I wasn't a big fan of that movie either. But that's another type of, like very creepy slow burn type movie yeah so maybe that's just kind of the the niche that she's trying to get into the niche market stay in that wheelhouse yeah i think they're pretty well set up for success just i mean it's so mysterious like they don't tell you too much so it's not really like you're gonna go in with expectations i think for us the only expectation is it's going to be good and interesting based on the studio and just the the trailer and the intricacy of like some of the shots, like the way that they're using like the contrast of space against like the color in the, in it. It's like you have like they're in like bright orange jumpsuits and like some of these rooms are like like vivid blue, vivid yellow, and then like all of a sudden it's just black of space and just something flying off into the distance. Like there's so much that they show you in this trailer, but it also shows you nothing because you don't understand the context of anything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, what the fuck is happening right now? It looks it looks like it's gonna be really weird. And I'm gonna feel really weird leaving the theater, but I'm I'm in. I think this is gonna be one of like this is gonna be a film lovers movie. Like Hope I don't so. I don't I don't well I don't think this is a movie made or marketed towards a casual yeah film goer. Yeah, I don't see this having like mass appeal. It's been this has actually been shown already at a few film festivals. I think at the Toronto Film Festival, it was nominated for basically like their version of like a People's Choice Award type thing. Okay. I wouldn't be like, there's a few reviews out that are just a few lines, but they seem mixed already. And Ooh, I wouldn't, so it could be interesting. Yeah. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's a movie that just like super polarizing, super polarizing. Like, Either you like this type of stuff or you don't. And if you don't, yeah. then it's not made for you. I think that's a lot of sci fi. And that's why a lot yeah. of sci fi movies have a harder time getting good reviews because some people, so I even know people who like, I like horror. But I don't like sci-fi, and in my head, I'm like they're so kind of close to each other. Yeah. But yeah, I don't, I don't know. I sci-fi is probably tie for number one or number two. Sci-fi is my favorite genre. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I love comedy so much. Like, there's nothing better than when like a comedy hits you hard. But mm-hmm. like a good sci-fi, like there's not that many great sci-fi movies. There's a lot of really bad ones, and yeah. there's some good ones. And then there's some great ones, but yeah. there's not like a wealth of like, like I could probably name a hundred great comedies, but I, I don't think I can name a hundred great sci-fi. Yeah. The last couple of years they've been, there's been at least one that I've really liked last year. 
I liked Annihilation a lot. Annihilation. I really liked Arrival. Arrival Arrival was fucking cool. 2017, though, Blade Runner 2049 was fucking amazing. Um, Gorgeous. But no, I mean, there are like a lot of movies like, I mean, Extinction came out this year, which was trash, like. I didn't see that. It's it's Michael Pena. What about oh, what about um life? Was that last year or was life that... was twenty seventeen? Twenty seventeen was yeah. that any good? I didn't see that. I enjoyed it actually. Uh, twenty seventeen had life. That was and that was a Alien Venom prequel, coming. right? What was that? That was a Venom prequel. But, yeah, it was a Venom prequel. <laughs> so I, so I saw the internet muttering about. Actually, uh, twenty seventeen had Alien Covenant and Life come out like two months between each other. I actually didn't see Alien Covenant. I like Alien Covenant, but I'm also a huge fan of the franchise. And people are like, "Oh, yeah. this is the best one since Aliens." Oh, but like, I don't know about that. I mean, that's a that's a hard bar to cross. Is it though? Because Alien Three, Alien Resurrection, and then AVP and AVPR aren't that good. Prometheus Those is pretty good, good though. You know, a lot of people shit on Prometheus. I liked Prometheus. Yeah. And the funny thing is, like, I knew it was Ridley Scott, but going into the movie, I didn't. Because I hadn't seen many trailers for it. I was just like, Michael Fassbender in space, I am there. Yeah. And I I didn't know it was connected to aliens. I should have guessed because Ridley Scott in space and stuff like that. But like I was surprised by the end because I was just like, wait, is this a fucking alien movie? And I just didn't know well, like, it, the whole time. It wasn't supposed to be an alien movie. And like, they wanted him to make it yeah, one, right? He, they, he came to the studio and he wanted to make a movie based on, I think, a book. And they were like... No, it has to be an alien movie. Like, I don't really understand why Ridley Scott needs like, like why people won't let Ridley Scott make a movie. He's he's fucking amazing. Honestly, but, the movie's probably great until it tries to connect to Alien. I yeah. think that's where it kind of loses its appeal. Yeah, like by the end. But it, but Alien Covenant is is good. I mean, I think the best part of Alien Covenant is Fastbender. Oh, I don't know. He's in it again. Yeah, no, he's in it. I should watch it. He's really good in it. But uh. I, I liked Life a lot also, but I mean, it, Life and Alien Covenant were both kind of just like movies that I enjoyed, but they were kind of just like mainstream kind of throwaway in a sense, sci-fi yeah. movies. See, this looks like sci-fi not based on alien life forms. It almost looks like they're like a prison colony that's they basically like are using their body for different experiments that are taking place in space. I don't, it's so weird because it tells you nothing. Is there still Earth? Who knows? Like... Yeah. Yeah, man, this is really it's really the last uh, scene has my interest. It has all like the um people and astronaut, you know, uniforms just floating. floating. Yeah. Yeah. So you don't I mean, I don't know. I if people are just you know, there's no earth and people are just you know, relegated to these ships out in space and they're just floating around, like yeah. I don't know. Or or if it's just like a graphic they made for the title card. Yeah. It does look a little bit like a graphic. Like yeah. that doesn't look like it's footage from the movie. Yeah, but I didn't want when we were talking about genres. Though, you want to know what the the genre is on this movie? What romantic comedy? Got it. No, 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 it's not. Oh, oh my god! It is adventure drama horror mystery sci fi. <laughs> <laughs> it's just crossing them all off the list. Yeah, but I like movies like that. Like I've I've said before, I feel like especially with horror, but sci fi. Like I like when my movies combine a few genres. Yeah, I think it's best when your movie can work on multiple levels. Yeah, for sure. So, if that's the case, I'm you know even more excited about it. Yeah, I like the intrigue. I I probably say on this podcast every time we do a trailer, I either like a trailer or hate a trailer based on how much it tells me. I think less is more these days with like the internet and everything. There's so much that people can like research and whatnot. Like, if you want to spoil it for yourself, do some searching on Google. 
but I think a trailer's job should be to tell you almost nothing and just kind of like roll the dice, like hope for the best. And this, and like in this day and age, it's the only way you could really intrigue an audience is by telling them nothing. Yeah, I guess so. But I feel like so many trailers now show you everything. I know, and I hate it. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I hate it too. I'm just saying like there's a lot of movies that are like really popular and the trailer shows you everything. But like people are just like, oh man, I need to go see that you know, giant blockbuster that they just showed me half the movie to. <laughs> yeah, they show you they show you the three best jokes from the movie and like the two biggest like action sequences. Mm-hmm. It's always like they're charging into battle or something, or some building is crashing to the ground, or just something that would seem pretty climactic. I feel like uh when they show you nothing, that's almost when like I get the biggest response out of a movie because it's a surprise. Like you were saying they save the best joke or they put all the best jokes in there. We were talking about blockers. Blockers put like all the like worst jokes in the trailer. <laughs> yeah, they, they yeah, the, I will say the trailer for Blockers did not sell it well for me. No, not I, at I waited all. until it was on HBO and I could just watch it like for free. But I like that cuz then when I went and saw it I was like, "Oh shit, this is like really surprising." Yeah. I know we've talked about this already and <laughs> we didn't enjoy this much, but they really didn't tell you much from the glass trailer either. Yeah, that's true. And I mean, some people liked it, some people didn't like it, but you know, the trailer basically is the last 20 minutes of the movie. <laughs> yeah, that's true. They just show you act 3. Yeah. Without the twists and the twirl. <laughs> the twists and the twirl. <laughs> Two twists and the twirl. All right, man. Shit. I think we're uh I think we're pretty fucking stoked for this to say the least. Yeah, I'm excited for it. If, you know, you're only hearing the audio if you haven't seen this trailer, listen to the whole episode first, but then go and watch the trailer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, finish this. I mean, you you can pause and come back, but, you know, who wants to really do that? Yeah. You want to get this over with as fast as you can. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, definitely check out the trailer, because I, I have a feeling that this is going to be a movie that flies under a lot of people's radars. Yeah. It might be in and out of the theater quickly. So, also, the director is a French director. I don't think she's... I think she's got a big body of work, but I don't think she's ever made... Uh, like a bigger budget, like film for, um, you know, like America or anything like that. So yeah. I don't know if she's got the clout or you know behind her where people are gonna line up to go see one of her films. Yeah. So hopefully this movie is good and people go see it because uh, we'll make it a point to try and catch this in theaters, even if it's not released by us. Like we're not too far out from New York City, so we can make a yeah make a bus ride or mm-hmm. a train ride down there Definitely. just to catch it. Have a nice little day with ourselves. <laughs> Two dudes day out in the city. You go get our nails did. <laughs> you go to the city just to get your nails did. I do. Oh, really? Yeah. Why do you think they're fucking stunning? <laughs> but, I'm just kidding. My cuticles are chopped to shit. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was gonna say I couldn't. I bite my fingernails. They're bad. Nice. <laughs> That's what you get on this podcast. A little beer break. Yeah, this is a beer break. Beer break. Beer, 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 beer break. break. <laughs> beer break. On the sports ball game. <laughs> We've been talking sports ball all day because we're actually recording this episode on Super Bowl Sunday. Yeah. But instead of giving a shit about the Super Bowl, we went to the movies. We went to an arcade for like 15 <laughs> minutes. And then we came back here and are screaming into microphones. We just lost all of our football fans. <laughs> so many of them. But this is a movie podcast. They don't care about football right now. Yeah. They want to listen to us gab about movies exactly so fuck man should we just get into velvet buzzsaw yeah i think uh leave the trailer park and want to get into this bad boy yeah all right see you later see you later cletus (laughs) Cletus. that's my buddy in the trailer park
See you later, Joe Jeff. No. Dingle I... Dog Boone Boone Diddy. <laughs> Boone Diggity. Boone. Get out of here. <laughs> I got a boot scoot and get out of here. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> so yeah, Velvet Buzzsaw. That's what we're talking today. Yep. And I actually think it's funny. The trailers for this movie and the movie we just talked about are very different. Yeah, this trailer shows you a lot. A lot <laughs> for Velvet Buzzsaw. When I was watching when I was watching the movie, by the end I was like, fuck. Yeah, they really They showed me everything. They show you they show you the fucking everything. So I just offered no no extra opinion. <laughs> So right off the top, though, directed by uh, Dan Gilroy, as we said, he yep. did Nightcrawler. He wrote which was Kong, which was awesome. Yeah, he wrote Kong Skull Island, also awesome. And he's bringing back two of the people he worked with on Nightcrawler: Jake Gyllenhaal, Rene Russo. Uh, but this is a huge star-studded cast. Hell yeah! We mentioned earlier Tony Collette. Yeah, um, John Malkovich. Who else we got? David Diggs is in it from yep. Blind Spotting. Nancy um, from Stranger Things. Yep. N- Natalie Dyer. Um, cool. You actually have people's names. That's B- probably more respectable. Billy Magnuson from um, uh, Ingrid Goes West. Yeah. And Game Night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was in this. And then I think it's Z- is it Zoe or Zaw Ashton? She plays Josephine in the movie. Oh, okay, I'm not sure. Uh, not sure her name. She's from uh, Nocturnal Animals, though. I I could have swore I recognized her from something, but I didn't see Nocturnal Animals, so it probably wasn't that. That. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, this is like such a good cast. Thick. Yeah. With two C's. This <laughs> cast is. Also, it, it it fucked my head up seeing Tony Collette with that haircut. I kept thinking it was. Tilda Swinton, because <laughs> Tilda Swinton has like a similar haircut in Okja, which she's also in with uh, Jake Gyllenhaal, mm-hmm. which was another Netflix movie. So it, it just like in my brain, it just connected the two. Honestly, Tony Collette and Tilda Swinton are just like aesthetic twins in terms of like cinema. Like you can flip them in and out of movies and you probably wouldn't tell much of the difference. I feel like Tony Collette is having a little bit of like a renaissance right now. Yeah, she's Because she was awesome. in Hereditary. She was in Hearts Beat Loud last year. Like two movies that were really good. She was also in a movie called Please Stand By with um Dakota Fanning, which was like passable. Yeah. But she was but she's three, great. Three movies last year, then uh, you know, another movie early this year. And I'm Little Miss Sunshine, it's a sixth sense. I mean, she's been in a lot of really good shit. Yeah. That was for me, Jake Gyllenhaal and uh Tony Collette were the two big draws. I also really liked the yeah. Diggs. Those were probably my big three. He was a surprise for me. I didn't realize that he, he was, was gonna it. be in it. Yeah. yeah. He's I mean, he's only been in a few things now, but I liked him a lot of this. I'll say that right now. Yeah, and he's not really in it too much, but no. when he's in it, like he does he does well. Like the the scenes that he's in, like he's not just peppered in for like flavor. Like he actually adds to the scenes and the story. Like and, and he actually offers some like very light comedic relief. Yeah. This movie has a few points in it where like it tries to hit like <laughs> comedy. And sometimes it does it actually pretty well, but it's like you don't expect it, so you're kinda like Wait, was that a joke? <laughs> I think Jake Gyllenhaal hits it the most. Oh, he's amazing. Me. Yeah. Here's, he's so I wanted good. to write them down, but every time he referenced a color, it had me dying. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he... he's making fun of the guy's casket color. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's amazing. He's, he's like talking shit at a dude's funeral. He's like, why would he pick burnt umber or something yeah. like that? <laughs> he's like, you're going to be buried in that for an eternity. Why would you pick that color? color. Yeah. And someone's like, do you have to critique everything? And he goes... Yeah, it's what I do. <laughs> like he's just so matter of fact. Him in this movie, without talking about the movie itself, him alone, Jake Gyllenhaal, 
is amazing. He's one of my favorites right now. He's fucking incredible. He just embodies other people completely. Like, when I'm watching this movie, like, John Malkovich is a very good actor, but when I see him, I see him as a character. Jake Gyllenhaal just becomes somebody completely different. Not only in the way that, like, he's saying lines, because everybody's saying lines as a character, and they're talking differently, but, like, his... His body language completely changes. His mannerisms like are completely different from like any other character you've seen him do, and it's fucking insane. Like it's almost like his eyes change too. Like <laughs> he has such a way of like morphing his all around look and feel to his characters. It's just like fucking unheard of. Like I'm I'm watching him. I'm just like. Fuck, he's just a different person completely like, yeah. than anything else you've seen him in. If you if you've, you know, seen Nightcrawler and this, it's funny seeing the two because he's like such a scumbag character in Nightcrawler. Yeah. And then in this, he's like such a pretentious, like cleaned up douche. <laughs> like, yeah. But like completely different characters. And I mean, that's why I'm like so excited to see the new Spider Man movie. I, like, yeah. I'm really excited to see what he can bring because everything he does. That I see, I'm like, man, he's he's he like clearly amazing. he clearly cares about the work that he's doing and puts his fucking all into it. So yeah, he's a shining star mm-hmm. throughout this whole fucking movie. I yeah, I completely agree. Just like I guess a quick synopsis on this, just to get into it. Jake Gyllenhaal plays an art critic. Basically, everyone in this movie is somewhat related to the art world. Either they're a curator or a critic or, or an, an artist. artist. Yeah, and uh, an artist dies that. To one of the main characters, the guy was just her neighbor, and she recovers some of his paintings and pieces of artwork out of his apartment before you know people come and take the shit out of his apartment. Yeah, they're like, and, he's got no family. They're going to throw everything away, but she sees this these paintings yeah, and stuff. Yeah, and she's like captivated by it, and she takes everything, and then after that, shit starts going sideways. Yeah. That is basically- Paul the- Giamatti shows up. He's drinking wine. It goes totally <laughs> sideways. <laughs> You nailed it. Never thought I'd. We be don't able need to, to talk work. about the movie anymore. <laughs> yeah. Never thought I would uh, get to shoehorn in a sideways reference on this podcast. <laughs> Should have seen it coming. But yeah, I mean that's the bare bones plot synopsis to it, I guess. But yeah, without the spoilers. Yeah. Although that being said, everybody should know by this episode if you've listened to anything else before. Like we're gonna spoil everything. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we just tiptoe in the beginning and then we'll fucking deep dive. So Snape kills Dumbledore. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, Darth Vader is Luke's father. It was his sled. Yep. <laughs> That's all I got. Yeah, we can we can move on from that bit. <laughs> so Jake Gyllenhaal plays a character. I also, I love the names in this movie. They're all so pretend. Like, they yeah. picked up the most pretentious names. They they all did a really good <laughs> job of making me hate art. Yeah. <laughs> like, it was, I actually texted my friend while I was watching this movie, and I was like, have you, have you seen the trailer or heard of Velvet Buzzsaw? And she was like, no. And, uh, I went to school for animation with this person and I was like, well, it's, it's a horror movie and it's, you know, focused around art. I was like, I feel like it's painting artists in a really negative light. (laughs) Yeah, dude. I, I, my first note from watching this movie is just from the opening scene. I was like, art is important, but also art is really dumb, (laughs) really dumb. And it's funny because it's all of these rich people just deciding how much something is worth. And I think I think a common thing for like your regular like blue collar guy is like, oh, I can do that because some artwork literally just looks like someone popped a balloon full of paint on a canvas. And we're like, 
it's called explosion from my heart like <laughs> or something i don't know probably something smarter than that but this podcast is called two dudes so fuck you <laughs> i mean the big theme to this movie isn't to shit on art it's to shit on the people who turn art basically into something that isn't art yeah, or turn like, it into commerce. Yeah. Like it basically like when art becomes over monetized, it's no longer like a spiritual or soulful idea. And it's basically just a monetizable object at that point. Yeah. And it, it's not creativity. It's capitalism. Yeah. And like the last scene of this movie is basically, you know, art going back to like just being for the viewer. Because they've got it on the sidewalk, and like these paintings yeah. that were going to be sold for millions of dollars are being sold for like five bucks. Oh, see, so this is interesting already. I took that in as a di- in a different way. What did you take it as? I just thought it was these paintings are going to still kill people now. No, see, they're still out there because the whole thing is that the the guy wanted them destroyed. The fact that they're still out there, I think, is what's. I took it as that now that they're actually being like respected in the way that they should be. They'll be okay. They'll be okay because even the last like shot of the movie is like a s- sunset on the painting. Yeah, and if you but notice, that's, that's also the same painting that was on the girl's phone when she gets sucked into the art gallery that wasn't there, which I have a big problem with. But BT Dubs, <laughs> but the people who live in this movie are the people who actually respect art for what it should be. Yeah, but they're also not directly involved in in the art in question, the Deese paintings in question. Like John Malkovich, like he has nothing to do with the Deese stuff. He's not selling it. He's not helping anybody sell it. He's just another artist. So that's why he survives. And the other girl is just, she's not profiting from any. David Diggs' character, though, like wants to buy it basically, right? He wants to buy it. And she's like, I sold it. And he's like, oh, I was going to buy that. But I feel like he is more like in admiration of the artwork. Not, yeah. He doesn't want to profit from it. Right. Which is why I think he's okay. Like, you know, that's why I think the people buying it off the side of the street for like five bucks, it's more about the artwork and so less think, about the. So you think the people buying it are safe, but the people selling it are. Cursed. I think I think the people who want it for other reasons other than what art should be are the people who die from it. Damn, we're already breaking down the meaning of the whole movie and the ending. We barely even scratched the surface, the surface on of what, what happens. The, yeah, what happens. <laughs> but that's cool, though, that we. Took different things out of it. I knew we would. I was saying before we recorded this episode, like early today when we first met up, I was really excited for this episode because I think that we're both going to have pretty different feelings on the whole thing. And I like when we have episodes like that. Yeah. I mean, what was the one episode we have where we just agree- agreed about everything? Was it Spider-Man? Spider-Man. We were just, <laughs> just like, like yup. Yeah. Even our rankings of the Spider-Man <laughs> movies were identical. And we were like, sure. <laughs> like nailed it. We're just laughing at the end. We're like, this is fucking ridiculous. Yeah, this is boring. It's just us jerking each other off. <laughs> what I was saying about the characters with their names, the names Morph, Redura, Josefina, Gretchen, Coco, Damrish, oh, Pierce, yeah. like they're the most <laughs> crazy names. I love them. Just Hollywood douchery. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, the movie starts up, basically explain the, the whole setup to the movie. Jake Gyllenhaal. Jill- gallery stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Early on, so right after that, Jake Gyllenhaal is um, hanging out with Josephine, Josephina. Mm -hmm. You kind of get a little taste that they've had some sort of a past with each other. Yeah. It doesn't, I mean, I guess it kind of plays in that Jake Gyllenhaal's character is gay, but he also has like this romantic relation with her, but he's in a relation with a guy 
but you don't really you see the guy once and then he's talked about but you never see him in the movie really like you see him that one scene where he, he shows his ass yeah before <laughs> he, he jumps, jumps in the pool. pool well that's the scene i wanted to talk about jake gyllenhaal is butt naked in a chair like lounge chair with a laptop <laughs> raw dog on his junk i thought the same homeboy's got to be burning pubes <laughs> off or something like his dick must have been so hot i was i was sitting there watching that and i was like this is a very awkward scene to stage. They're like, okay, Jake, sit here. I hope it wasn't on. <laughs> yeah. Laptops get so hot. And he was just butt ass naked with naked. it. <laughs> and he didn't have like a pad or something that the laptop was on, not like a table. It was just raw dog on his lap. I like how he went from analyzing the meaning of the movie to being like, oh, by the way, that hot laptop was on his <laughs> dick. <laughs> <laughs> well, whatever. You get what you get with this podcast. <laughs> I don't really want to get into like any negatives yet, but I will say kind of what you're hitting on right now with, you know, he's in a relationship and they establish that he's gay, but then he basically just starts going into this relationship. Like he breaks up with his boyfriend, starts dating this other girl. Not even really. We don't know that they, he broke up with him until later when he mentions, oh, we broke up. But like, you don't really, I mean, I guess you don't need to, we're kind of nitpicking that point, but like, I don't, I don't fully understand the point of him having the boyfriend in the first place because it doesn't really serve much. I feel like there's a pacing issue in this movie. Yeah. And that there's a lot of characters in the movie. Yeah. And that's for sure. And very quickly in the movie, they just kind of throw a ton of things and they all happen really quickly. And there really isn't much explanation to them. And I don't think there's much like character development either. It's just kind of like go, 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 go. These are all these characters. And then somewhere down the line, things just start happening. I almost I, think. I almost think their development is solely through each other. Like the only way you learn about one character is through what their relationship is to the other characters. Yeah. And it's like gradual, but like it's almost like right out the gate, it's just like kind of clear that they all have some sort of connection to each other. But like the the younger, like I don't know what to call him, art director, art agent, or whoever who's trying to get John Malkovich. This is the last name Don Don. Yeah, Don Don. <laughs> you find out towards the end, not until you're at his funeral, that he actually used to work for Rene Russo's gallery, and that's how he got his start in art. Mm-hmm. But you don't find that out until like way later, and yeah. it's not. Yeah, but that's the thing. Yeah. Though, these th- these things, I don't think there's really a payoff to them. It would have been something that you could have introduced earlier into the movie. Like, is there really like a moment where you're like, like that, where she's like, I was. I had him working for me and now basically I like feed him all like the shit that I don't want. And it's like, Oh, okay. But then is there anything ever after that, that like would be like a big, Oh, uh, okay. Moment. It's just like, Oh, you, yeah. you probably could have told us that at the beginning. So we know this character a little bit more because they just kind of throw shit at you. It's almost like most of these characters are unimportant because a lot of them are kind of unimportant. I was going to get to that. I feel like a lot of them are underutilized and they're big actors. Yeah. Too. So John Malkovich is like barely in it. Yeah. But it, it's really the Jake Gyllenhaal and Rene Russo and is it Zowie Ashton show. The three of them yeah. are the main characters. Everyone else in it is yeah, just I'd kind say, of... Yeah, I'd say so. They definitely have the most screen time. Yeah. The rest of them are kind of, in a sense, plot devices. Which in itself is kind of insane because like, we talked about how huge that cast is, not just in size, but just in like caliber of the actors. Like, I feel like Tony Collette should have been in it more because her yep. character was like really interesting and her dynamic with Jake Gyllenhaal's character was fucking great. Like yeah. their relationship on screen was really cool. And like, it just, I don't know. Like it felt like 
what we would probably imagine like that art world is really like, like kind of catty, but like intellectual catty. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, there, there were some things that they like struck gold with, but they didn't, they didn't emphasize those enough. I wish that she was in it more her specifically. Yes. Yeah. I think I wish her and I wish David Diggs was in the movie way more. He maybe had five minutes of screen time yeah. total. And even though I liked her, Natalie Dyer from Stranger Things, yeah. I don't think she needed to be in this. No, she didn't really serve much of anything she, at she, all. Her sole purpose in this movie is to be at places when things happen so she can tell other people. She finds almost she's a all of device. the... Bo- yeah. yeah. She's almost... Yeah, I think all of the major players who die, she finds like all of their bodies. Yep. Yeah. Why? <laughs> That's. I was thinking the same thing. I, after the like second or third body, I was just like, oh, okay, is this, this is, is getting ridiculous. Is, well, I was like, is there going to be a twist where she's actually possessed by the art and she's the one killing people? Oh. And maybe what people are seeing is an illusion and like it's their brain, but then like there's like a go back and like somebody finds tapes and she's actually murdering people, but these people have been driven insane by the paintings. I think that would have been cooler. Would have been cooler. Not what happened. She just packs her bag up and leaves. Yeah, she goes back to like she's Michigan. Like, yeah. She's like, I'm out of here. I'm get- I've seen too many dead bodies this, <laughs> this, <Yeah>. this week. <laughs> California is crazy. <laughs> so yeah, just getting back to the plot, basically they find they find these paintings. People start losing their shit over them. They're like, oh my God, this is amazing. So beautiful and like so different. And yeah. So much pain in these paintings, the, blah, blah, blah. They. Do they go on sale already? What, how does it work? I, I know. So, so Josephine. Is it Josephine or Josephina? Josephina. So Josephina finds the paintings, blah, blah, blah. She brings them into her office and she works for Rene Russo. And this dude who's creeping on her finds her like big book with like all these paintings in it because she had some copies with her and then later he snitches her out Rene Russo shows up at her Josephina's apartment and kind of catches her and she's like just for a reminder you have a non-compete clause in your contract that's very very specific and very strict so um, if you want and you want to go DIY and do this yourself, you can, but you're going to be stuck in a very long, difficult lawsuit with me, or we can be partners and I can help you monetize this. So basically she has to agree. So she does. And they start, you know, getting ready to hawk these paintings off. And then that's kind of like what kicks everything into high gear. Mm-hmm. And that's when Jake Gyllenhaal finds them and he's like fucking well, no, he he finds them earlier because Josephina tells him about them, and he's just, like, in love with them. So he basically works a deal where he gets exclusive rights to write a book about the artist who made them, and this is before they know anything about said artist. Yeah. But he's, like, getting, like, exclusive rights to, like, the story, the book. He want, He's getting, like, early reviews. Like, he has, like, open access to, like, all of that stuff and a lot of her, uh, Rene Russo's, like, connections or anybody that he needs to talk to about these paintings, which then begins the psychotic nature of these paintings because then they start to find out like the dark past, past behind. Of, yeah. Deese is the artist's name. <laughs> Deese paintings. Deese paintings. <laughs> What's up with Deese paintings? <laughs> Billy Magnuson's character, Bryson, he's the first to go. Yep. I had... Yeah, man. Did you like my joke I texted you about that? Oh, what was it? Did I not notice it? <laughs> no, you texted me back. I mean, I, what was it? So he gets pulled into oh, the painting with yes. the monkeys, and I said, man, it's 
It's finally good that the monkeys from Jumanji found a role. <laughs> yeah, it really does look like those monkeys. It does. Too. That's what I thought right away. I was like, damn. <laughs> They're really ripping off the Jumanji. One thing that I think is really cool, and this is a huge spoiler, but every single character, the way they die is in some way representative of their personality or their interaction with art. Oh, I didn't even notice that. So yeah, that's actually a really good point. Like the monkeys, because he's... He doesn't really have much to do with the art except for they're just like, hey, go fix this thing or like fix this thing in the gallery. Carry these boxes over here. I was thinking also like they established very early that he's kind of like the pervy guy. Yeah. He's kind of got like almost like primitive instincts. Okay. So So he acts out on his primitive instincts. So the monkeys are the ones that kind of like kill him. Yeah. I had so many questions about that though because it's the first kill of the movie, right? Yeah. The monkey painting isn't even a painting that the guy Deese did. I, yeah, I wasn't sure about that either, because why would it be hanging up? That's what I wrote down. I was like, wait, did he paint that painting and for that gas station? Yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I was very confused by that, and then that only got worse as the movie went on, because... I didn't even think about that, honestly. I thought that there was a painting with monkeys in it that he did, but it wasn't that painting, I don't think. Every... I wonder if this means something that I'm too stupid to understand, but every art piece that kills somebody is not a Deese. It's someone else's art that kills somebody. If you think about oh, it. Oh, yeah, you're right. Because the- I, well, I'll, I'll just go to the kills real quick. Morph, when he dies, he gets killed by the Hobo Man um, yep. art piece, which was That's one of the last kills. Yeah. And it's that's kind of uh, that's symbolic a because he's killed by a thing that he was, like, trashing earlier. So the thing that he he trashes ends up trashing him, basically. Like, Josephine becomes uh, the graffiti art that she was too snobby to accept for her gallery. Right, and and it's kind of like the world that David Diggs is going back to and abandoning the capitalist version of Mm -hmm. the art world. Rodora is killed by, basically, the evidence that she, like, sold out her punk roots. Like, she sold out to basically capitalize off of art, She's got a tattoo on the back of her neck of her old punk band, yeah. and that kills her. I roll. That I I rolled so hard at that death. <laughs> I was like, oh, "You gotta be kidding me!" And then Gretchen. You know how many of my tattoos would have killed me? <laughs> I have knives tattooed on me. I got like, I got a dinosaur. Visually, I thought that kill could have looked so much cooler. Yeah. I was, when it was happening, I was like, "Oh, this is gonna be so sick!" And then it's like over. They cut before anything really happens, and I was like, yeah. "God damn it!" And Gretchen, she reaches into the sphere and she's kind of like overreaching like in her boundaries in a way where she's kind of trying to like strong arm people the whole movie. Yeah. So that's kind of how I took that. She's like overreaching. She reaches into the sphere and gets killed in there. And and Don Don gets hung in that like that bigger installation, like the one that looks like an old house because yeah. like the, the film reel starts spinning out. So yeah, all of those are somebody else's art mm-hmm. killing. It's not the Deese. So is there a meaning in that? I don't know. They never really establish the actual, I guess, entity or whatever that's killing you. Yeah, I don't know if it's a possession or yeah. if it's a curse or kind of what's going on. Because different things happen. Like when, when Don Don dies, a hand reaches out and grabs him. But it's from almost yeah. nowhere. But then there's a scene where Jake Gyllenhaal's in bed and he looks up at one of the Deese paintings and the figure in it actually reaches out towards yeah, and, like him. moves. So like 
Also, why would they pick the creepiest painting to fuck under? <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> like all of his, all of the paintings are like deeply dark and depressing. And everybody put one in their bedroom. They're like, you know what I want to think about when I go to sleep? Like, death, death, <laughs> and sadness. Another, I guess, kind of cool thing. And I don't know if this has anything to do with like a, you know, symbolic metaphor or you know anything like that. Yeah. But almost before every single person dies in this movie. Something with eyes shows up. Well, I think that is the artist. That's the guy. You think the artist is looking through because the, their eyes or whatever object. Because that's it is. the same. That's the same face that's on like the self portrait when she walks into the old man's apartment the first time. Yeah, yeah. There's eyes know. when when Billy dies. There's eyes in graffiti on a wall, like when he parks. Yep. There's eyes that appear. When Tony Collette dies, I think there's a painting and like the eyes light up. Yeah, they like flash. Um, quick. when Don Don dies, there's a doll and the eyes like glow blue on that doll. And there's and- also in the video like a flash of the old man's face, mm-hmm. like in the video as it's rolling real quick. Yeah, and then in the graffiti exhibit when Josephina dies, she, I think there's an eye in one of the graffiti installations there. Yeah, somebody's always watching. Mm-hmm. Can we talk about her death real quick? Yeah. I hated it. It was, <laughs> it was the worst one of the whole movie. Like, she gets covered in paint. That's how she dies, yeah. basically. Not drowned in paint. Like, paint crawls up her body. But also, <sighs> there's so much, like, assumed stupidity from these characters. Like, she's waiting for somebody to tow this car because there's a car parked behind her car at the bar that she went to with David Diggs. And as she's waiting, she notices behind her that what once was just like a steel wall is <laughs> now an art gallery. <laughs> you, like she works in the industry. You're telling me that if she was going to this bar originally, parked her car, she wouldn't have seen behind, oh, there's an art gallery over here. Yeah. You would have noticed that right away especially being that you work in that industry. Like, how would you not notice? And it looks like a really nice gallery. How did you not notice it there before? Why would you walk into it? None of it makes sense. Like, all of a sudden, she's a total fucking dum-dum? <laughs> that bothered me a lot. At least at least Tony Collette's made sense because she had already been enamored with the sphere. So, like, you know, why not give it one more go? But, yeah, Josephina's death was... The worst. Just on that death, visually, I liked the way it looked, but yeah. I have no idea how the fuck she died. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I think the, the, cause it looked almost like the paint was kind of like seeping like into her skin. It almost looked like a tattoo. Like it wasn't yeah. like, it wasn't like shiny, like, like she just paint, had paint like it was her. just wet. Yeah. It actually yeah. looked like it was. So I thought the way that it was constructed and the scene looked cool, but I have no idea how that killed her and then she yeah. becomes trapped in a painting on a wall at yeah, some she point she becomes part of the graffiti like the yeah. wall is just a wall again but now she's in the yeah there's but then that goes back to then what is this entity is it a curse is it a what is going on like what is the thing that it's making this happen it doesn't make sense yeah because at least with renee russo's it's well not the not the tattoo part of it but before that other like a like a, a big sculpture she has in her backyard almost falls on her and like kill crushes her. Yeah. That makes sense. That's almost like final destination. Mm-hmm. Where it's like objects are falling and killing you. But these other people who is just like you get trapped in a painting, what the 
how <laughs> how did you die then? What yeah, is the death? It's also like, you know, if the entity was trying to kill her, why would it try to crush her and then be like, oh, wait, you know, she's got this art on her. Why wouldn't it just, you know, kill her with her, her tattoo yeah, right from, from the, the first place? Like, like, you know, I, I think this is kind of where I'm drawing my line in the sand, I guess, on this movie. I like this movie a lot more based on its imagery and, I guess, commentary on the art world and, I guess, metaphors and symbols and stuff like that rather than its actual story. Yeah, I can see that because it looks really cool. Yeah. And the actors in it are good. Like, they're acting well. It's just what they're acting in is kind of stupid. Yeah. So the the actual writing and I'm not talking dialogue, the actual writing of the story and how finesse the story is in terms of being logical and making sense, I don't think is particularly good. No. And I, I also wasn't super stoked on there's a scene where Don Don had hired a private investigator to find out information about the artist who painted these paintings. Yeah. That scene is like 10 minutes of just exposition telling you all about the painter. That's where you find out like he was in a mental institution. Well, he was in the army and he had he got rejected or sent back or whatever. And then he like murdered his dad, but he took a long time to do it. And it's so much exposition about the artist. Like, I feel like there should have been a more natural way to come across certain information, almost like it's like an investigative movie. I wish the movie was an investigative movie. And like Jake Gyllenhaal's the one like yes. researching and di- and diving because he's the one who has the the rights to the exactly to the story. So it makes sense for his character to be finding more information and digging up things. And as things are revealed, more people are dying, and then you come to the realization that like this is who this man was. Blah blah blah. Also, the old man wasn't the painter. Who was the old man? Did they ever tell us who the old man actually was? The first guy who dies or how they get the paintings? There's a lot of focus on who the painter was and like his methodology and backstory and all that stuff. And there's no payoff to it. They just basically tell you a creepy story and then hope that you accept that. Oh, wow, that's creepy. I guess that means that creepy things happen, too. Yeah, like I think it would have been cooler if you find out that that old man who dies in the beginning, whose apartment is full of these paintings was actually like his head doctor or something like that. Almost like a Halloween type thing. Yeah. Um, where it's like, that's his head doctor or like the person who was like assigned to his case. And they've confiscated all these paintings because they know that the evil that exists within them, or he's somebody who was close to the artist and he was destroying them for him. Some sort of connection. Why did this old man have those paintings? They never really tell you. He's just the first guy who dies and he had all these paintings in his fucking house. Yeah. It doesn't even tell you if he was the guy because if he was, how would he be? Yeah. Because the guy's been in mental institutions like if he, I don't know, man. There's a, lot this- of, there's a lot of questions unanswered and they didn't need to ask those questions to begin with. Yeah, that's, like I said, I don't think the writing is very good. I think there's a lot of things left open and I don't think it's left open for the sake of like, Oh, let's spur up questions. It's just, Oh shit. We forgot to answer that. Or that doesn't make sense. Let's just not answer it. Yeah. And it's Netflix. You can make it a long movie. Yeah. I don't feel like this movie was too long. It was like an hour 40. No, it was, it it could, it should have been longer. Yeah. It should have been. They should, they could have added like an extra half hour that would have cleared up a lot of things. Yeah. And to your point, when the movie ended, I like originally, my initial reaction was, I wish this was a mystery where Jake Gyllenhaal was actually trying to figure out what 
happened to the artist and then there's a big payoff that ties everything together and you almost feel like that's happening because throughout it he's like losing his shit like he thinks his vision is going which is also an interesting like kind of thing because he's a art critic so like the stress of like thinking your vision is actually going because you're seeing these things but then your vision's not going and then like so then what's going on and then the research i actually really like the scene where he he goes to another art installation and it's this soundproof room yeah, that was speakers cool. in it and he starts hearing these voices and it's like it sounds like other people saying his negative reviews and like all that stuff weighing on him and he's like stressing out and he's like freaking out and like losing it and he's sweating and he's like crying and the guy comes back he's like all right sorry we're gonna start it soon he's like what do you mean like what was that he's like what and he's like, what were those voices and stuff? He's like, oh, we didn't play it yet. This this exhibit is just whale sounds, like basically. <laughs> yeah. I also I thought that was a funny moment. Where yeah. it's just like I like when it starts and then he runs out of the room and then you see the guy who left him in there. Like, look, I w- I want to know what his story was. He'd be like, he just got. I guess he's really afraid of whales. <laughs> it's just like, oh, he's like, I gotta get out of here. <laughs> There's a few moments that could have actually been like really funny. I mean, there are funny moments like we said with Jake Chillenall, but part of me wishes that they either played around with this like absurdity of it. Yeah. Or, you know, made it more of like a mystery horror movie because I feel like it just evolves, especially in the third act into just a generic. All these characters are expendable because they all suck. And now we're just going to kill them off one by one. Yeah. Movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. It just turns into like a regular horror movie. And you get your jump scares and stuff like that, and it's just cheapened. The movie is not scary at all. <laughs> like, no, it's not. Like that was like another thing. If you're gonna be just a horror movie, like give me some disturbing imagery or something to like latch onto. Yeah. There, there was like nothing. Honestly, like, it, the scariest parts of it were just the regular paintings, not when they yeah. were like moving or anything. Just the paintings themselves, themselves were like dark and depressing and creepy and weird. And I don't know, man. Yeah, there's a. A few other things that, again, I think they're more on the level of, oh, that's a cool metaphor or that's cool imagery or something like that, that I enjoy rather than the actual story. But literally the last scene of the movie, and I don't even know if you could consider it the last scene because it's during the credits. They show John Malkovich's character at the beach. Oh, just kind of swirling around in the sand with a stick and he's just drawing lines. Yeah. That was inspired by... Dan Gilroy's like real life experiences. So Dan Gilroy okay. was gonna write uh Superman Lives with um Tim Burton. And I think Kevin Smith may have been on that also. But that was the movie that Nicolas Cage was gonna play Superman in. Right. So they worked on that movie for 18 months and then it got canned. And Dan Gilroy was basically like, you know, really upset about um we spent 18 months of his life working on something that no one would ever get to see. And his actual quote was um, basically nobody would ever see anything that he wrote. He might as well have just gone to the beach and written it down in the sand and have the tide wash it away. Oh, and that's kind of how, artsy. yeah, like John Malkovich is, is cause he has a problem making art. Yeah. He's like when hit he's a sober. wall. Yeah, yeah. He's been sober for a while. And, and then, so he goes to um, you know, the beach and just basically just makes this art that no one's ever going to see. But that's also kind of like the point I was saying earlier where art isn't meant to be capitalized. It's meant for the viewer. So right. he's just kind of making it for himself, you know? Yeah, I get it. And that's the, th- that's the thing too about this movie is 
I think the commentary on art, art world perception of and monetizing of, like I think all of that stuff is well done and well thought out. That's what's frustrating is why is the movie so stupid when there's parts in that that are so smart? <laughs> I think they were too focused on the wrong things. Like they were focused on the not the story, but the um what's the word I'm looking for? They were they were too focused on the message that they weren't paying attention to the story. I completely agree. Yeah. Wow, I'm actually kind of surprised because again, like I really liked Nightcrawler. I think you really liked Nightcrawler too, right? Yeah, I did. So the reason I thought we were gonna be like kind of split is like by the end of the movie, I was like, uh oh, I don't know if I liked this movie. <laughs> I don't know if Colin's gonna like this movie. If he likes this movie, we might not be friends anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but then I was like, well, it's about art, so maybe. I'm not supposed to like it. Maybe if you don't like it, you just don't get it, which I think is the most bullshit excuse for <laughs> for anything. But then there's just the irony of the fact that we are critiquing a movie, which in itself is art, and it's about art being critiqued when basically the message is that art isn't for us to critique. It's for each individual person. So in that sense, are we going to get murdered by like a calendar? <laughs> Or something. Because we don't have a lot of art hanging up. Yeah. It's kind of funny that you bring that up. I recently read this interview where... I'm trying to remember who John Krasinski was talking to. He was talking to me. We're best friends. Actually, it was. Yeah. Now, I don't... We should get him on the futon. We should get John Krasinski. That'd be fucking awesome. I'm going to start sending him emails. <laughs> Imagine that. Oh, if we could pull that off. We got to get a fan petition going. Yeah. Get John Krasinski here. I want to know what to do. (laughs) (laughs) But John Krasinski was talking to, uh, it was a very, very credible, you know, big name director. Um, I'm trying to remember who it was, and it's bothering me that I can't remember. But basically, they were talking about movies, and John Krasinski said, this movie sucks. And the guy, the director said back to him, like, you can never say that a movie sucks as a director, because that means that we, as directors, are making something that, like, we know is shitty basically. Yeah. I just think it's funny that you mentioned that because you know, you're talking about maybe it's not meant for us cause we don't like art or whatever, which, which isn't, isn't true. But um, it's just like, you can't make something with the intent of being like, Oh, well only some people are going to like this because it's just not for them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what the fuck they were doing. I just don't I think, think that's the biggest problem is that we, I think we're breaking it down cause we're getting a lot of the points that they were trying to clearly like, put across like i think you i think you pointing out the fact that what kills each person pertains to the the person who's being killed specifically i think that's like huge that's something i didn't even really pick up on i did pick it up with josephina's death because of the graffiti gallery and her not seeing that as like real art because you can't there's no way to really like sell it and like a a big idea of like the people who are trying to hawk these paintings is how can you even consider yourself an artist if nobody sees your work and where they're going to be the way to get all of your work out to the masses. Yeah. It's actually right. Is it Josephine that says it or is it, I think it's, but one of them says, I think it's what's the point of art if no one can see it. I think that's honestly, I think Josephina and Rene Russo say it at different points, but I think, I think Josephine is saying it as an argument after he tells her that he's going to go back to his just like small art collective. Okay. And she's like all pissed off. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. She's just like, why would you do that? Like we're going to, broadcast your artwork out to the world for you i thought about you with this 
I think the hobo man art thing. Yeah. I think that's a comment on superhero movies. You think so? I think so. Because they they it's kind of marketed as like a superhero. Like he keeps saying like I will save you or I can save you. Yeah, or whatever. I can save you. And uh, he's kind of in like a suit, like a superhero. Yeah. But, but he's like he's basically all like battered up and like beaten down. He's got like crutches and shit. I think that's a commentary on how I don't know if it's Dan Gilroy or whatever. But I think it's kind of almost like superhero movies will eventually run their their life expectancy type thing. Like, mm. yeah. How about this? Mind your fucking business, <laughs> that's Dan. Like, that's what, that's what I was just like. What if this is pissing Sky off? <laughs> I didn't even pick that up. But now that I know that, I hate this movie. <laughs> you don't know shit, man. And another really big negative for me, and I'm kind of piling on the things I don't like. The editing in this is awful. <laughs> Did you think that? There's so many like fades that are like they fade to black, and normally like when just you just like just like, like some old school like first year of like video production, yeah. like. There, stuff there's scenes that like I think there seems... was a star wipe it's just like a star <laughs> shot across the screen and just wipe to the next no it didn't happen I, honestly if it did I would have been like this movie's fucking edgy <laughs> there's a lot of scenes though where like it seems that Dan Gilroy didn't know how to transition from one scene to the other so he just does like a fade to black but like yeah. fading to black normally means when you use that that's normally meaning the passage of time yes so it's it's a or, very or, strange or a, like drastic change in setting. Yeah. So it's just like, and it happens, especially early on, there's like three or four scenes that just fade to black or fade to something else. Like the transitions I thought were really bad. They, they should have gone back and filmed maybe a scene or two that could have spliced something together more cohesive or maybe done yeah. something where it, it phases through a wall or something like that. A little yeah. bit more like artsy. Netflix, Netflix has money. Yeah. I'm sure they had enough budget that they could have done couple reshoots or something something different man like like we said earlier you probably could have added an extra half hour to this movie just to make it a little bit more sensible yeah this movie's a little bit of a bummer because there's elements in it and writing and that is very smart and they and it has stuff to say and they act the fuck out of it like, yeah and there's the some really really, really good really acting good in it and it's you know there's a lot of really bright colors you know I, I i like some of the cinematography in it it's just that the actual execution of the story is so mediocre at best <laughs> yeah it's so upsetting i did note like a lot of things that i liked about the movie but when you have to look at it as a whole like one whole movie like you're boiling it down with its good and it's bad and i think in this the bad parts of it are so important that it makes the whole thing kind of weak yeah yeah, it's it's a bummer when your your story is bad but your actors are good cuz like you kind of put them in like an awkward position where it's just like you're going to make a bad movie, guys. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure they didn't know that when they were doing it. I'm sure like, you know, that many heavy hitters and I don't know, man. It's 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 such a bummer. I was really really wanting to enjoy this movie, but yeah, your story is so important. If you're not getting that across the right way, like just everything else will suffer in the long run. No, I completely agree. Probably couldn't have said that better. I just I, I like a lot about it, but most of the things that I like about it doesn't necessarily affect the story as a whole. And if you're yeah. just going to watch it as a film and just watch the story from start to finish, it's not very good. Yeah. You know, all the best parts are like skin deep. Yeah, all the best parts are metaphors and ideas. Yeah, but not the execution of. Yeah, like the best parts of the movie are the things that it wants you to think about. But as a movie, it doesn't do much. Now, I have a question. Does this movie, because I don't, 
I don't check the IMDb or the Rotten Tomatoes or anything for this podcast because you're our uh, you're the brains behind this operation. I'm just the tall guy behind it. But does this get a Rotten Tomato score? Does does Ron? So they actually do like. Yep, it's got a tomato score. Oh, okay. Score. I didn't know if they did that for like Netflix movies and everything too. They do. Okay, awesome. This movie actually though debuted I think about a week ago. I think at Sundance. I think that's the festival that just happened. Huh. So it debuted a week ago for people to actually see, you know, at, at a film festival. Yeah. And now it's on Netflix. Okay. Very interested to see what the uh, critic and crowd reactions have been for this so far. Yeah. It's only so, been out for, at the time of recording this, like two days. Two days. So yeah. there might not be a lot of audience reaction to it yet. There's enough. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah. We're doing tomato tomato here? Please. Please. <laughs> All right. Tomato tomato. Critic score. 69. Nice. <laughs> Audience score, 43. Okay, so we got 69. Nice. To 43. <laughs> wow. Well, you going first? Yeah, why not? Ladies first. I am going to say Tomato, because as much as, as a movie, I didn't like it, I just feel like there was still some stuff I enjoyed in it, and just Jake Gyllenhaal just fucking kills it in this even though like the movie itself is kind of stupid his performance is really brilliant Mm -hmm. and same thing with tony collette and just the the chemistry on screen between like some of these characters was really well done and it's solely due to the actors themselves it's not not quite the like the writing and the story so i don't think it deserves a total fail I do think 69 is a little high. I, I would give this movie, oh, maybe it's not. I'd give this movie like like a D. Like, I don't think I'd fail it. I'd give it like a D. Maybe yeah. maybe even a D plus just because of some of the more enjoyable parts. My grade is actually very close to what you just said also. Okay. I'm also going tomato. I think 69 is right around where it should be. I would also be giving it a D, probably a D plus. Yeah. But I wouldn't give this a failing grade. And I mean, that's mainly just because this movie actually has something to say. There are some well thought out ideas and um, different commentary or different commentaries on the art world. And the performances are really good. And uh, like I said, I like some of the cinematography. Yeah, there were some cool shots. Yeah. And I like, you know, there's a lot of things that I think are cool ideas. As a story, the, I don't really like it. Like, I, I don't think I'd rewatch this movie. No. But I can't give it a feeling grade because there's more to it than a movie like fucking Holmes and Watson or, you know, like some shit movie that is oh, clearly a feeling Oh, how dare grade. you? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I, like I said, I, it, it's very, cl- like, I didn't enjoy it, but it's better than a failing grade, I think. Yeah. I, I think the fail is a little too harsh for it. Honestly, the first, like, 40 minutes of it, and as I was watching it, I was just like, this is probably like a B, like B movie, B plus maybe. Like I, it was really cool. Like I, re- like I said, I really like the dynamics and the characters and the way that they, they play them is it seems so like a little bit heightened, but like pretty close to like what we would believe like that snotty like art world would be like. Yeah. So, yeah. Honestly, if you continued that same, maybe not same tone because obviously it has to shift by like Act Two, Act Three. But, like, I don't know, if you just stayed on the, the path and simplified it, honestly, it got too complex 
with so many characters that everybody just felt scattered and it just lost it like halfway through it just loses its track and basically as soon as monkeys pulled the dude in <laughs> it's there was no coming back at that point <laughs> they were lucky they got a roll after jumanji and you know this For might real. sink their career <laughs> i hope not they deserve better because they didn't do anything wrong yeah no, i mean they, they murdered a guy well that is true that's pretty wrong <laughs> that by the way just how did his shirt light on fire <laughs> I don't know, man. I think it had something to do. Also, how did the, what did, fuck, man. Now the more I'm breaking it down, I guess the earlier on in the movie wasn't that great. When she's in the guy's apartment, there's a rolled up painting in the fireplace. How does it relight? Reignite, yeah, I don't know. And it's like magic. Yeah. It, every, is it magic? Is it a curse? Is it a possession? What is, because the, there's even mention that he uses blood in some of his paintings for like the dark reds and the shadows and mm-hmm. stuff. But, like, is that a possession, then? This is what I was hoping they would get at, because then it would explain the whole paranormal part of it. I was hoping they were going to say that, like, because they say that he killed his father or something. That he was, used the blood from he, his father? And he well, Or, like, that he was actually, like, a serial killer or something, and he used the blood of his victims. And maybe, in the paintings? Yeah, in the paintings. And I then, was thinking it was his dad's blood. Blood, yeah. Oh, well, I mean, his blood, or his dad was... What was he, he was like a he abused them or something right his dad was right like his abuser so i don't know yeah. maybe it's the spirit of them or, but i was hoping that in some way it was going to be like the spirits of the people that he killed or something are like embedded in the painting and that's what causes the spiritual entity but then but the other thing is his paintings aren't even the ones killing people it's other people's art killing people yeah <laughs> what <laughs> I don't get it, man. Yeah, I don't get it. I don't know if it's that you don't get it. I think it's just that it's not flushed out. Yeah. I think the movie uh, could have been a lot better if they finessed the story and actually gave a shit on, like, tying in, like, the plot holes. Like, I don't know yeah, how man. no one could have been like, hey, because, you know, it's had to go through people. No one was like, this doesn't really make much sense. Like, I think people were afraid to say it doesn't make sense because of the context of it's about art critique. So then if people watch it and say that it's bad, then it's like, it's because you're stupid. <laughs> like, so it just made its way through festivals and people were like, well, I can't badmouth this movie because that must mean I didn't understand it because it's about art and critiquing art. And what does art mean to everybody else's subjective? So if I say I don't like it, that means these people are going to look down on me in my opinion. And since I work in this industry, I have to say, I loved it. <laughs> Put so- it on Netflix. <laughs> we're going to, we're going to get shit on now. <laughs> Honestly, I want to hear what people's opinions are. This is a Netflix movie. We've broken down the wall. We're going to talk Netflix movies now. Apparently, we can do that. Yeah, I mean, if they're going to be nominated for Best Picture and stuff, I don't see why they're, you know, they need to yeah. be held with the same, I guess, same amount of, you know, credibility yeah, as a claim. regular you know, yeah. movie. So with that, this will make it easier for like our audience to actually see these movies because I understand there's not a lot of not a lot of people have a ton of time to go to the theater to see a brand new movie, which is why we usually release our episodes a few weeks after the movie came out. That maybe gives other people some more time to catch a movie. Like we're probably not going to release like whatever if Captain Marvel comes out that Friday. Like we're not going to release it the Wednesday after. We're going to give people a couple weeks to catch up. But this. I mean, it's on Netflix. Almost everybody has either their own or someone else's Netflix account that they're stealing. Like, <laughs> you may as well watch it. I mean, it's not super long, so that was good. 
and there are some really good elements to it. So maybe this movie is worth watching for you. And if you do watch it, tell us what you think, because I'm fucking confused. <laughs> I like I said, maybe maybe we just aren't getting something, but I, I think the confusion is more just on plot holes. Yeah. That's kind of what I think. Pretty heavy plot holes. Because I think the, I think the sudden stupidity in characters that yeah. bothered me too much. I think the the main intent of the movie is to hit on the points that we were talking about about like the meaning of art and like how it shouldn't be capitalized and stuff like that. I think that's the real meaning behind it. Yeah. Yeah. No. Definitely. That comes across pretty pretty plain. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, man. Clearly, we have our opinions, but you know that's what social media is for, which we are on. So. Hit us up on Instagram. Hit us up on Twitter. Have you been updating the Twitter? That's what I thought. <laughs> We're pretty up on Instagram. You do a lot of work. A lot of those images that we post on Instagram are actually your work anyways. I'm just the one hashtagging them and kind of talking with people and liking and I'm out there yeah, pushing the word. But either way, reach out to us, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We also have a thing called Stardust, which I know nothing about, right? Yeah, we have a Stardust. We'll have to start posting on there. Maybe we'll we'll do some of those soon. Yeah, we are two dudes movies on there, and two on there is TWO because they don't let you start your account with a number. Boo. Yeah. And um, we're two dudes movie reviews on Instagram and Facebook. We're two dudes movies, or is it two dudes reviews? What is two it Two dudes on movies Twitter? on Twitter. Two Dudes Movies on Twitter. That's right, because Two Dudes Movie Reviews is too long. Yeah. <laughs> Probably should have picked a shorter podcast name. <laughs> Whoops. But that's what two dudes do. That's what two dudes do, dudes. <laughs> that's getting too confusing. I'm glad that January is almost over, though. Or I, Well, it is over. It's the first few days in February. But yeah. we're about to get into, within maybe a week or two, a lot of really good movies. A lot or of really or good. movies that are, at the very least, hyped up. Once, yeah. to, once to get excited about like didn't really have any any excitement or desire to go see escape room or miss bala and stuff like that like right everything now there's at least like almost every week there's a movie coming out that i'm like yeah i gotta go see that like all the way up through like february and march it's gonna be some pretty cool movies it's coming further out further than that man it's like oh well, yeah like, yeah yeah oh because then we just start getting into fucking April, crazy May. town yeah even june there's there's stuff already being announced for june that spider-man's I'm like, yeah. june is it? Yeah, That's Far true. From Home is in June. Cool. It's nuts. We're getting three Marvel movies in the first half of this year. <laughs> is it? They're going balls March, deep. April. Yeah. If three, March, three Marvel, April, June. Yeah, in a four-month span, three. Yeah, Damn. that's nuts, man. But anyways, we got a lot to look forward to. Hit us up. Let us know what you think about this movie. And I feel like there was something else that I wanted to say. Oh, yeah. Suck it, losers. <laughs> <laughs>